Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and educator Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue features a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of February 4th. This is season four, episode three. We are entering the fifth week of Ordinary Time. And Anne, we have our Super Bowl matchup, which sadly does not include my Baltimore Ravens. However, your team, the 49ers, uh, made quite the comeback to beat the Detroit Lions, which unfortunately I think most of the country was rooting for. But welcome, Anne. What is hot this week? Yeah, that would have been an interesting episode had both of our teams been in it. That would have been kind of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Chiefs are back. But in the meantime, the Niners had the single greatest comeback. I mean, the single biggest comeback in NFC Championship history. So kudos to them and all that they did to make that happen. And yeah, you know, people, it's hard not to feel for a city like Detroit. Um, You want, you know, it's a great story, but I don't know. Obviously I'm on this side of things like, Mitch and San Francisco are not great either. I mean, we, we're also in the news in a different way. So True. there are people that are excited. And that's why we love sports, right? It, it gives a community um, and a people just a, a cause to rally around, to chat about, to talk about. So especially kids, you know, kids in schools, um, people with young kids. This is maybe their first time having that Super Bowl experience, which is fun just to to share and hear stories like that. So we'll see. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a close game, I think. It's a rematch from 2019, and we'll hope for the best. And um, on our next episode, we will have a new Super Bowl champion. Yeah, so we'll so see tr- what happens. So true, so true. And certainly it was a heartbreaker here in Baltimore. I think most people thought we would um, make it to the Super Bowl. We didn't. That's why we love sport, of course, because you just you never know what's going to happen. But I will say, you know, growing up in Arizona, we certainly didn't have an NFL team. We didn't have a Major League Baseball team. There were no pro sports when I was growing up and in the major in the major sports. Um, so it it is it is really unique and special to be in a town that really comes together for their sports teams. And Baltimore certainly does that. I know many, many towns and, and cities do, but it there is a sense of hometown pride that is very real and tangible and um, unique, I think, in, in ways, you know, sports do bring us together that way. And it's it's really fun to be a part of. So everyone's looking forward to baseball sure. season and the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, just what a neat experience to be part of this Ravens season this year. Yeah, well, couldn't, yeah, you know, and it's, that's why we do it. We, we don't know how the story will end. And um, we will, like I said, hope for the best. And teachers, even if they're not Niner fans, they're like, hey, we could really use a holiday there's a parade <laughs> so that's like the lowest the lowest common denominator other than just being a lifelong fan in the, the house that i grew up in and they're the only um professional sports team that's native to san francisco so the niners didn't start anywhere else so right. funny because they're in santa clara now but um there's such a, a love of the niners and their and their awesome history so um with a couple of fun notre dame connections which is always yep. fun always with the ownership fun. and you know, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to get somebody on board with this team. Um, and one thing I, I do like is when they were at the Warrior game this week. I do like when 
whatever sport it is. I like in college when I remember going to the women's basketball game when Notre Dame played at UCLA and the women's volleyball team from UCLA was there all together um, at our big rivalry game the other night was uh, SI, St. Ignatius versus Sacred Heart and the men's where the boys varsity basketball coach was there. He had his players there. Like, I love that. So the Niners, not all of them, but a good number of them were there and they were honored. They showed uh, highlights from the game on the screen. They all got jerseys. The players got to meet each other afterwards. So that's just, you know, part of being a sports fan is it's just fun to see that and to see athletes watching other athletes as well. You know, their um, awe and their, you know, not all. It's interesting to me when an athlete isn't like a sports fan, like occasionally you'll hear about like a football player who will say, oh, I don't watch football at all. But I just take it for granted that they would. So to see them like Debo Samuels, like be the first out of his seat when they're, you know, Steph Curry nails a three. I love that. So it's, it's a a fun time around, you know, this two week period. I think growing up, it was one week between the championship game and there's probably good and bad to that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's a fun, you know, fun little time. We'll see how it goes. So what um what's happening it sounds like it's admission season in your school right now that would make sense it's february is that right it it is so it's interesting uh, amongst my admissions director sort of cohort of colleagues that i have around at different schools in the area we we talk about how there actually is no longer an admission season admissions is year-round which is very true However, this kind of month until February, mid-February is is what I would say the heart of admission season. So it's been pretty busy, pretty hectic. I was at work pretty late, um, 8.30 sometimes the last couple of weeks. Um, it, it, this is where all of our applications are due. We're bringing all of our applicants in for visits. Um, we have over 100 applications right now for our you know little preschool through eighth grade school. So that's a lot of students that we're getting to know. And um, we have more visits this week, next week, and then in acceptances letters, which I have to prep, go out next week too. So it, I, there's no complaints. I love my job. I love the school. I love finding what I hope and think or, and feel are the right fit, you know, for us and for the family. But it is it is a busy time uh, in a good way, but it's it's busy. Yeah, well, good luck. Thank you. And, you know, speaking of fit, um, this last week, I – watched a program that I will recommend. I got the recommendation from my classmate, uh, Alex Montoya, on Netflix's The Greatest Night in Pop History. And it's about the making of We Are the World, the song by USA for Africa. And I mentioned a fit because there's a number of solo parts of the song in addition to 50 musicians, American musicians that came together. And one of the questions was, well, who why should this person go here? And why does you know Kenny Rogers sing right after Paul Simon and you know Kim Carnes and Cindy Lauper right after Huey Lewis and Lionel Richie, who is one of the two singer songwriters, he said, Well, it's really about your vocal range, like whose vocals kind of pair together and match and who's gonna fit where. So I recommend it because for those of of you know, I mean I don't know. It, it is not something I would show in class because I don't. It's for us. It's the nostalgia, right? That, for that those, moment in for those of us of a certain yes. age, yes, we can say it. <laughs> yes, in the eighties. Yeah, it's nineteen eighty-five when it came out. I had forgotten that the song was played at the same when it was released at the same time throughout the world. At least that's part of what the program says. 
you know, Bob Geldof had done U.S. Um, the Do They Know It's Christmas mm-hmm. for, you know, British artists uh, as part of was that Live Aid relief. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so Harry Belafonte had said, you know, we need blacks to be helping other blacks. Um, in learning a little bit about more more about his life, I didn't realize he was such a civil rights activist with Martin Luther King. So he kind of spearheaded USA for Africa, got Quincy Jones, and then collaborated with Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson to write the song in 10 days. And they recorded it the night of the American Music Awards which is timely only because we'll probably talk about it at the end, but tonight is the Grammys, which is not the American Music Awards, but that was in Los Angeles. And so they went from the event to the studio, recording studio, where they all recorded. And it took them literally, in the words of Lionel Richie, all night long to record (laughs) it. But they did it. And uh, the world has a beautiful song and I think a great message as a result of that fit, so to speak. Yeah, I saw I just saw an ad for it this week and I'm not sure why or where, but as soon as I saw it, I I I said to my husband, I said, We okay, we have to watch this. I mean, it's just it's such an iconic song. I think all of us it, it just takes you right back to that time when we were younger. And 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 it's it's interesting to think about today, you know, could that happen again? Could you get all these major, you know, pop stars together to collaborate in, in a very, in, in a way that is really kind of a lack of ego. And I, I'm sure there's ego in this show, you know, in the program, but um, just coming together for a greater good with no, th- on such short notice. I, I don't, I don't know. I would like to think maybe it would, I, but I, I am looking forward. I am definitely looking forward to watching that. What did we say? You always see the glasses half full. Right. Or, you know, the relentlessly positive. And I, and I feel that same way. But a lot of people, because I posted about it, have said it would never happen today because artists would individually record their own track. But I would like to think like you that they would. And it is fun. Just There are egos in there, but it is fun also to see the respect that they have for each other and the admiration. So that's part of the story. At one point, one artist Ask another for an autograph. Oh, and I love that. The rest of them follow suit. So check it out. I will. And yeah, maybe we can talk about it down the road. Okay. Well, I'll jump ahead and say that's part of my takeaways to make sure I watch that before. <laughs> check and check. That's an easy one. Perfect. Yeah. yeah now I have a question for you. Yep. The same friend that recommended the program, Alex, said he has not felt inspired by any documentaries recently. Hmm. Um. Does that resonate with you? I don't know. I I just thought that was interesting. He said, I'm having, I've mm. just been searching. I haven't had one that's, you know, that, that I've, I mean, that I've been this excited about, you know, during COVID, it might've been the last dance. Um, we could probably recall some, but it was an interesting question. Yeah, that so is an interesting question. And I guess I, I guess my question back would be, inspired in what way inspired as in wow I really want to go out and be a more faith-filled person or wow I'm inspired to really go out and improve myself personally in whatever con whatever context or topic the the documentary is about is it wow I really want to go make a difference in the world um I I'm not sure I've ever that I actually you know kudos to Alex for wanting to watch something 
with the goal of being inspired. Um, but I, I guess I would be curious to know in what way he was hoping to be inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't, you know, and I, I don't watch a lot of documentaries. I do love, like most people, sports fans, the 30 for 30 series. Um, of course, the Michael Jackson, um, the Michael Jackson documentary that we Sorry, the Michael Jordan. <laughs> I'm thinking. Oh, of, I'm looking. Well, there at, is the Michael Jackson. There is the Michael Jackson, but I'm looking at the USA was, for I mean, Africa that was, notes. That was not in. Yeah. That was not was, not one that I think people would claim inspired them. Um, but sorry, no. the Michael Jordan um, documentary. <laughs> the other MJ. Yes, yes, I've been referring to Michael Jackson as MJ the last few days, and it's I do have to like switch Clarify. switch because they're both greats. But yeah. Very, two very different stories. Very different. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mike, the Michael Jordan, I just, I, it's just fascinating. Um, I don't know what that, I would say that, how that inspired me. Um, so I, I, we might have to go back to Alex and ask him what yeah. he meant by that. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like, how, yeah. What are we looking for? Where, how are you finding it? What way does it inspire you? Um, you know, there are so many sports biographies now between mm-hmm. like Beckham the program point break about tennis players, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of a, what a reality TV follow sports formula one that, what is it? The you would, you would know the name of that one drive to survive. So it's not an, yeah, it's not uncommon to have these. I mean, there's a blurred line that's different than this is the actual event. And it's again, nostalgic for us because we lived through it. So there's something there that, you know, it brings back memories um, as opposed to, something today. Although David Beckham's career is something that we could, I didn't really follow it. So it wouldn't have the same nostalgia, but for other people, it undoubtedly would. Sure. Well, so here's what we can convey to our friend Alex is he, he may not be able to watch our podcast and it's not quite a documentary, but maybe he needs to listen to it and see if, if he's inspired by that. Done. I love it. (laughs) Good. All right. So golf. Oh my gosh. You are the golfer. I am not. What's going on down at Pebble Beach? Only, I always wish you were. Haley. I know. Um, I know. One of these days. The reason to get the <laughs> yeah. Um, not a bad goal. It's just, there was a the tournament uh, down, you know, that's every, this weekend, AT&T Pebble mm-hmm. Beach, the winner, uh, we're not, excuse me, there's not a winner because they didn't play today because of the rain and the wind. So right now the final round is supposed to be tomorrow, but it shot a course record. He shot a 60, um, the all time, like the in golf. And then I was also thinking about this in the context of sports. 59 is such a low score. The lowest score ever on the PGA tour was a 58, but you know, like in the mile, <laughs> excuse me, it was like breaking the four minute, um, the four minute mile mm-hmm. or in the marathon, breaking the two minute barrier. So it is just interesting um, how we kind of flirt with these numbers in sport. And, you know, I hear people say, no, you know, records are meant to be broken, right? So there's records that people set, most points, most yards. But then there's these other <laughs> kind of like, it's not that it's a record. It's just kind of like the ability like to to get below a certain time, like a push oneself or in golf, because golf is just so tricky because it's um, – it's, you know, things like you can have an errant bounce in a good way, you know, so kudos to him. Um, uh, really exciting to watch. Also fun just to imagine what could be. But once again, the beauty of that place, it's just, it's really hard to look away from the TV screen. I don't know if you ever feel that way, like looking at something that you're watching, but I'm like, it's just 
it's so gorgeous. So maybe the aesthetic of it is part of the appeal. So, you know, it's interesting you think about records. I, I think about this often being a swimmer. And of course, you know, the swim records get broken all the time. But at some point, how much faster can someone swim? Uh, you know, you can't, you know, if you think about like the 50 freestyle and, you know, when they broke 20 seconds, it was amazing. And now it's down to like 18 and 17. And, you know, at some point you can't swim zero seconds, but how fast does it, it, there is a, there has to be a limit. And, and, and clearly we're not there yet because records keep being broken. Um, but I do think about that often, especially, you know, of course, in my sport swimming, just thinking how, how, how fast can we actually go? And we're not there yet. And I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime, but at some point these records will no longer be broken. And that, that will be an interesting time in sport. Yep. Agreed. So just a, yeah, interesting way to think about um, the game and, and what we are able to do and achieve and, we celebrate it regardless, right? Of course. So, congrats of course. to him. Things I will never do in my lifetime. I can I can safely put certain things in a box. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what Simone Biles does, like a standing backflip, like that will never happen, right? <laughs> no, no, but watching it, it can inspire you to continue to try new things um, and, and know that it's always out there as a goal. Love that. So I had an interest, I've had an interesting couple of weeks. I have been really keeping at the forefront, um, you know, my whole New Year's resolution of, of keeping it real. Um, in fact, just last night I was, you know, my husband asked me a question and I answered it in a very honest way, which I normally wouldn't do. And it was, um, it, it was the right thing to do. I just, I've been having some you know, without getting into too many details, I, I suffer from some pretty intense nerve damage just as a result of the accident and my injury. And I've realized over the last 32 years that I've kept a lot of it to myself. So, you know, if someone asks me, you know, my husband even, are you okay? You feeling okay? There there are times now where I'll say no, actually, and I'll explain. And, and I've never done that before, um, you know, at, on a regular basis, I should say. And so part of, again, keeping it real is just kind of being honest with where I am and who I am and, and being okay with that. And it's interesting because it came with a unique gift. Um, I was, you know, that right after we taped our last podcast, that's kind of my emotional roller coaster week. I know I've shared that with you before. You know, it's my son's birthday, which is a time to celebrate. It's the anniversary of our bus accident, which is, a you know, can be a really hard day. It's my mom's birthday, which then is another thing to celebrate. And, and so the whole week is just filled with emotion, good, hard, bad, you know, sad, happy, the whole thing. And on top of that, I have this, um, this medical procedure that I have to do twice a year to help with the nerve damage. And it just happened to fall on this week, that particular week. So in addition to kind of the normal emotional roller coaster, uh, I have to have this procedure done. And it can be done in a doctor's office, but with the insurance I have, I have to have it done in a hospital for insurance to cover it, which is kind of a whole nother issue. But, you know, now, so now this literally 20 minute procedure could take four hours because mm -hmm. I have to go to the mm -hmm. OR. So I have to check in two hours early and then you have to, so it, it becomes this massive production, which kind of wow. adds to the emotion of it, right? I have to be wheeled into yeah. the OR. They don't put me under, but um, it, it I, I don't like hospitals. That whole operating room thing is, you know, not really fun for yeah. anybody. Right. But the gift came and, and the procedure itself isn't bad. I'm awake. I, there's, you know, I don't even have an IV in. Um, 
it, it's very uncomfortable. It's not painful, um, but it's it's not pleasant. And so mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. I had you know I took a day off of work. I told my colleagues you know that I had to have this procedure done, and not you know details, just that that's where I would be, and I'd be out of pocket for a few hours. And and the and the gift that came with it was when I did return to work, and a younger colleague who's almost twenty years younger than I am um, asked me how it went. I said, you know, it was fine. It's you know it's a long day, and it's it's not super fun, but I said, you know, it, it allows me to live, you know, this very active, healthy life that I live, and so it, it it's worth it. And she looked at me and she said, but that must be that must have been really hard the week of your anniversary to just add Mm -hmm. to the emotion of reminding Mm -hmm. what you live with. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. really, it was such a thoughtful Mm -hmm. response. It was just, Mm -hmm. she made that connection. I mean, I certainly made that connection. Like, this is kind of a lot. The fact that she made that connection and recognized it and articulated it and honored it uh, was really moving to me. And and, and again, that all goes back to me being able to share it and just throwing it out there and the saying, this is what I, this is who I am and this is what I have to do. And mm-hmm. she just brought it back. It, there was just a level of understanding that wow. there is such grace in understanding. And I don't know how she would know that or understand or, mm-hmm. but just the thoughtfulness of her response was really mm-hmm. moving to me. Wow. And I, 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 I was really grateful and, and, yeah. and really grateful for, again, this gift of understanding that came because mm-hmm. I was willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and share yeah. this, this very personal, you know, journey that I'm on at times that I yeah. for many years have kept to myself. So I share that just as a reminder that sometimes when we are our most vulnerable selves, we receive gifts and grace in ways and in, in from people and areas that are totally unexpected. And um, it was just, it was a really good reminder for me. And I was very grateful for it. Nothing like, nothing like great work colleagues and friends. What a grace. Yeah, they, they really, they can be for sure. I just, I guess I'm struck by like your intention behind it though. And I, I find you to be an intentional person regardless, but like the, this is, this theme of like keeping it real, like it's not just something that's out there. It's something that you're, you know, applying to your life. So it means like doing some of this heavy lifting and, and offering that, like the willingness to be vulnerable and to share that, like clearly you offered it in a way that, um, you know, this woman had the space and she didn't have to respond the way she did, but it it allowed both of you to have, like it sounds like an exchange that was mm-hmm. um and you feel like you gained a lot but i would imagine she and what she received in hearing that you know she she might not know that you that she's someone that you're sharing this with like maybe for in a new way so um i just i always find like we read an article in class this week about like the point of prayer is that god god can nudge us and like move us and i just love that word of nudge like, it's just like a little nudge, like, you know, it's like a push that you were coming to this place where you're like, okay, this is, this is me. Yeah. And so it, it, it can be hard. I mean, it is hard as your friend just to hear that, like, that is a big week. That's a lot. There's yeah. Ups and downs. Um, and gosh, hospitals, I, I don't know. They make things hard. 
<laughs> medical stuff. It's I really feel my own family's having some things going on right now. The patients, you know, for everybody. I'm sure it's not easy to work in it, but that, that sounds like a lot extra hoops in um, in an event or surrounding a lot that you know has happened before. So. It is, but I will say it is also a reminder of, you know, the staff at the hospital I was at. It's just, it's not a local hospital in Annapolis. It's, you know, it's not Johns Hopkins. It's not some of the big ones in the area. But the the staff is remarkable. Um, You know, I mean, one of the nurses in the OR sat behind me, you know, stood behind me, you know, and just rubbed my shoulders and asked what kind of music I wanted. And I'm sure they don't usually have patients who are awake in the OR either, but um, it was, it's, it's a reminder of the gift of our medical care. Um, and I know that mm-hmm. I've spent plenty of time in the yeah. hospital and know that, you know, nurses can make or break care, but they certainly made uh, yeah. that morning for sure. Um, and, and what a gift that is. Yeah. I know, but I'm always like, I'm struck by like, just how in a vulnerable space, just our sheer humanity really makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Like you name two things just touch right and then music right like those like literally cost nothing but they do go so far and it's in those and you use the word vulnerable so i think that that's appropriate like those spaces it is those are the things that make the difference um whether you're in the dental chair and um getting the cavity when they like rub my arm (laughs) just to like you know it's gonna this is not gonna be nice but yeah or um, in the OR for something that you have to do twice a year. So, yeah, yeah. well, keep on keeping it real. I'm, I'm working on it. It's, it's, it, it takes work sometimes though. I do have, you're right. The word intentional is, is very, is very true. I do have to make an effort to do it because um, it is easier to kind of push it away and, and not talk about things sometimes. But yeah. speaking of talking about things, our spiritual stew, what, um, what struck you this week, either the gospel or something else? Yeah, so I kind of referenced that article, but, you know, part of my, um, in my class with students, we begin class with prayer. Students will be leading prayer. And, you know, one of the practices of uh, Catholics in particular are, is our petitionary prayers, is petitionary prayer. <laughs> and that's the, you know, offering of a hope or, you know, a need to God. And it's something I take really seriously and a lot of students won't offer them um, but when they lead they are asked to offer a petition or an intention they don't have the choice um it's part of what i ask them for again it could be a person or a place in the world an event anything that they want to say and so i just decided we need to like kind of talk about why we even do this like what's what's the point of it and it's a great article um from the grotto network it's an online resource and it just frames some like help in um in why we offer those prayers so um uh, for anyone that might be kind of looking or is interested in it it's called a practical guide toward praying for others and in short it just offers three ideas by which why we pray for other people and it begins with this statement saying you might be the answer to somebody's prayer like you never, you might not have never thought about that. Like what you've said or what you offer. And um, I don't know, I feel like Haley, cause you've given your talk. I feel like a lot of people have, you know, maybe kind of shared with you some personal things mm-hmm. in that, in that light, but anybody, any young person might be the answer to somebody's prayer. But 
from there, then when we pray for someone or a place in the world, just it changes our perspective. So there's a lot of suffering in the world. It can be too much. We need to give it to God. But we also need to be aware we can't like hide the reality of people in need. Um, it gives us direction. So there's that nudge. Okay, well, maybe how do I need to respond? Or maybe, you know, what might be the best way to just kind of reach out to someone in need? And then connection, because God has no hands but our hands. And so prayer will ultimately kind of lead us to respond or give us the ability potentially just to listen really thoughtfully, or maybe it is to drop a meal off or send a, send a text. So I've, I hope that was a good way of just helping my students understand. But, you know, at the very least, I think for all our listeners, I think it's just a great reminder, myself included, because we probably are running through our days all, all the time praying for people, but maybe thinking of it in that context perspective direct direction connection kind of it all rhymes so it works yeah i like that and i think you i think that's something that'll stick with your students too i'm sure when they're doing their reflection and and working on it themselves but my guess is it's going to be something that they think about over and over um, which is the gift of teaching as well yeah so we'll find out maybe that'll be one of our takeaways (laughs) yeah so for me, at the end of today's gospel, um, you know, Mark was talking, talks about in the gospel how Jesus has, you know, been curing the ill and driving out demons. And then he writes these words um, about Jesus. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. And then Simon comes after him and he, you know, says to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Um and that, that just completely resonated with me. Um, I mean, any mother, nurse, teacher, any caregiver, anything, um, there are times when we just need that moment by ourselves. And um, someone is always looking for us. I remember when my kids were younger and my husband at one point said to both of my boys, okay, stop, I'm tired of hearing the word mom. And um, it's just, it's, you know, when, when we need that time to ourselves, you know, we need that time to to pray, to reflect, to rest, to restore. Um, and, and so I loved that that is exactly what Jesus was doing. He is so giving of himself all the time. And he is, you know, curing and driving away demons. And, um, and then he needs to reconnect and have that quiet time, as we call it in our houses, you know, just a bit of quiet time. And, and so that it just, it made me chuckle. It, it resonated with me in a way that I just got. We cannot give ourselves to others in the way that we want to if we don't take time for ourselves. And, and that sounds like it makes perfect sense. It's not always easy to do. But um, again, we, we have to look after ourselves before we can take care um, of others. And, and clearly, this is what Jesus was telling me to do today. Um, and so that is part of that is mm-hmm. part of my takeaway. Um, my takeaway mm. is to make sure that I go off to my, you know, mm. deserted place. My it, at some point, you know, metaphorically speaking, let's, you know, I need to take time for myself. I need to make sure that I, even in this busy week, in the midst of you know all of the work and everything else that needs to get done, that I do take time um, to pray, especially as we are gearing towards Ash Wednesday next week. Um, to relax, to restore myself, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, so that I can do that work. So I can keep it real and and have the strength to do that as well. Um, so I love the words, you know, also in the gospel that Jesus says, for this purpose I have come. And I think that's, those, those are the words I will take with me 
um, as we kind of close out today is making sure I'm resting, relaxing, going to my deserted place to pray, um, and then knowing that I'm coming then with this purpose of what I'm called to do. So just listening, I have a question. Do you, do you, since the focus of this, you know, year is keeping it real, do you pray with that idea? Like, help me, Lord, like, but it, you know, is that part of your prayer life? Or do you think it's a result of the, I don't, the, the word discipline is really formal, but like the discipline of making that time for yourself, does it, is it, but the fruit of that is that you are able to keep it real or is it something that you are intentionally like trying to be reflecting on? That you're that you are reflecting on. So my prayers are usually pretty general. Um, you know, I try I try very hard to not pray for specific things. I learned that a long time ago. Um, so my prayers have always been in gratitude. You know, thanking for various things. Sometimes they're specific. Sometimes they're not. Um, and then I usually pray for you know my main prayer most days is. For the safety, health, and happiness of my family, my loved ones, and those they love. Um, I feel like if we have that, if we have two of those, two out of three, um, you know, it's a pretty good day. Um, so in that sense, it's pretty general. I think the intentionality of giving myself time to rest and, and restore is actually the only thing that would allow me to to be myself and be real. And, and that's probably not a very good thing. It shouldn't take effort to be myself. Um, but it can at times. Um, and or, or to, I, oh, yeah. I should say it, it takes, t it takes effort and energy to be the person I want to be and to mm -hmm. be the person that mm -hmm. I strive to be and, mm -hmm. um, hope to be and, and work hard to be, um, you know, and of course the more you practice and do something, the more natural and easy it comes. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that, you know, even with my keeping a real goal, um, is that the more I sort of throw it out there and say things, it does get easier. Um, so the, t the, the intentionality is more um, just working on giving myself that safe space to do it and the energy to do it. I hear that. I, I hear you. I think this, I think our society though, I think we're onto something. I think they, it shouldn't be hard to be authentic and to be yourself. But I actually think, yeah, the, the paradox is that it is. Like there's so many masks that we wear. There's so many images that we're supposed to live up to, right? That mm -hmm. just to feel your real feelings, right? To to be who you really are, to be okay with that. Um, it takes some like digging. It takes some like, and you know, because we're unredeemed too. There's parts of ourselves that, are, that need redemption. They need, you know, um, cleaning out. And that's, it's easier to cover that up, make excuses for things, but like to expose it and like work through things it takes time. It's hard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, then it, it so. and then it also makes you really look at who you surround yourself with as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because it's really, yeah. it's those real people and you're true. It's those real people that you can be yourself with. And um, you, you figure that out pretty quickly. Agreed. And, you know, as a, as a parent and as, you know, educator, we're always worried about that for younger people, but it's something we, I find myself still thinking about it. Like, um, I think I had it in class. It was like this woman who lived to be 117 said like the secret to long life was avoiding toxic people. 
<laughs> you know, and it's something we all, yeah, have to work on. So I know we're trying to wrap it up. That might be a good takeaway just um, in the sense of if we're keeping it real, that time for reflection and just intentional, maybe just silence, renewal, and um, finding the place and the space to be ourselves. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and as we head into, you know, Mardi Gras week and uh, Ash Wednesday, there's a lot going on. Kind of a roller coaster itself in terms of um, this time of year, at least in the church. So I look forward to, until then, keeping it real, finding my safe space, my deserted space to, to pray and reflect. And um, we'll see who wins the Super Bowl. We'll see who wins all the Grammys. And I look forward to reconnecting in a couple weeks to catch up and, and talk to you then. And Likewise. Thanks, Haley. Have a great one.